82, Home Alone. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hello and Merry Christmas, one and all, and welcome to episode something or other, we never remember the episode numbers anymore, of Two Geeks, Two Beers, with me, Tom, and my festive friend, Morgan. Hello. To be fair, it's because we've been in lockdown and pre- <laughs> yeah. pre-recording a lot of episodes ahead of time, to the extent yeah. we've now totally forgotten which episode number we're on, so it's a good thing, really. Plus the beer. Plus the beer. Um, well, as we record this, it has, you know, been a very odd and at times difficult year. Um, and I'm, uh, we're recording this in early November. So we have no idea what our Christmases look like. Um, we hope we're going to go home to see our families and, and whatnot, but who knows. But we hope that as you listen to this, everything's okay uh, and as merry as possible. And we hope that if nothing else, uh, the next hour or so will give you a little giggle. Um, and from us personally, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of you here, but I, I, you know, we've really enjoyed recording these this year. If anything, we've been far more productive this year than we ever have. Uh, we produce far more episodes than usual, but we do miss doing it in person. We've only seen each yeah. other once since March. Um, but you know, thank you very much for all of you who have listened over the year and in previous years. Always means a lot, and uh, please do get in touch in any way you like, which we'll bang on about at the end of the episode. I thought you were going to thank me then. I thought you were going to say, like, I've only seen you once this year. But you know what? Thanks so much, Morgan, for being my co-host. No, you're just thanking the listeners, which, you know, also also valid. Also valid. Yeah. But look, you know, um, it's, it's, it's weird with, with um, us two because we see each other over, you know, virtually on average once a week, once every two weeks. Um, so it doesn't feel like we've not seen each other. But at the same time, it is, it's not the same, is it? So, you know, hopefully in uh, next year, things will change and hopefully they will keep up the uh, the amount because it's been good you know having yeah. far more than one a month so uh, I'm, yeah I'm sure I'm sure our listeners share that, share that sentiment they're like yeah it's fine but it's not the same is it <laughs> but anyway so for this Christmas special episode I've taken a film and a franchise that has become a Christmas institution for the past 30 years Home Alone so thoughts first of all <laughs> no, on Home Alone <laughs> My first thought is that no one's ever said it like that before. <laughs> home that classic, alone. That classic film, Home Alone. Um, no, no one ever says it like that. Um, yeah, Die yeah. hard. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Um, it's a wonderful life. Um, no, yeah, Home Alone. Great, love it. It's, uh, uh, you know... Uh, a classic Christmassy movie. Um, but it's interesting you refer to it as, as a franchise because Home Alone, great. Home Alone yeah. 2, Lost in New York. I know it has mm. its supporters and its detractors. I quite like it. Mm. Um, Donald Trump cameo aside. Um, <laughs> I have I have never seen, nor do I have any intention of seeing, any of the so-called no. sequels, um, mm. which I, I don't know if you're going to get into those or not. But, um, but oh, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I, uh, I, I love the first one. And do you know, do you know what I realised the other day? 
is that I was I, uh, the last time I watched Home Alone is that it's a complete rip off of Skyfall. So. <laughs> Yeah, I remember watching Skyfall at the time and just thinking, "Hang on, <laughs> this is just it just they just went really weird in the last like uh, quarter, didn't they? They just sort of went, oh, okay, yeah. just 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 go full Kevin McAllister." Uh, but anyway, um, so I you know I can't quite believe that Home Alone actually celebrates its thirtieth anniversary this year. Um, I would have been four years old when this came out, um, as would you, or a little bit younger. Um, Three or four. Yeah, and I, and I think I didn't see it for the first time until I was about 12, I think. So, you know, relatively late in the day, but it has become a Christmas favourite of mine. Uh, you know, it has all the hallmarks of a brilliant Christmas film. You have know, got comedy, you've got capers, a bit of danger in there, and a, and a lot of heart as well. Um, and I think you could sort of call this the kids' version of Die Hard in many respects. It, it just, just, you know, it's set, obviously set at Christmas, and they've got, the, got the bad guys and all that. When you think of staples of classic Christmas movies, I don't often think of danger, if I'm honest. It's got all, all, all the tropes of a classic festive film. Laughs, love, danger. danger. Um, <laughs> Look, what, what's your favourite Christmas film of all time? Die Hard. Yeah, see? There you go. Oh, yeah. okay. Not all Christmas movies, but I think all the great Christmas movies, all the truly great ones, all the real classics, little little bit of danger in there. <laughs> That's what I want. A day, well, I mean, this year, potentially, we're all going to have a very dangerous yeah, Christmas. So it was so perfect. Are you telling me that Jack Frost is not one of your favourite Christmas films of all time? And I don't even mean the Michael Michael Keaton version. I mean, uh, I, I've never even seen the horror comedy Jack Frost, but given everything we said about it in a previous episode, yeah, I'm, I'm going to safely say no, even without having seen it. <laughs> Well, in case you don't know, uh, the first film follows Kevin, played by Macaulay Culkin, an eight-year-old boy who must defend his home from two burglars, Harry and Marv, after his family accidentally leaves him behind on their Christmas vacation. It's, they leave uh, him home, home alone. alone. <laughs> it's, um, it's a classic example as well of a film that just wouldn't work if you made it today because it just, smartphones, Google, you know, all that kind of, it just wouldn't work, would it? You'd have to set it in the 90s. Even even then, they sort of went to some lengths. Wasn't it like, oh, the phone lines are down for some reason? Yeah. 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 The second one's even worse, to be honest. But there you go. Um, so Home Alone premiered on November 10th, directed by Chris Columbus and written by John Hughes, so quite a powerhouse team. Uh, would you like a trailer? Yes. What a oh. Christmas present for me. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I've had a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home Alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it. 
get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Take your shoes off. Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, polka king of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up? Oh, yeah, thirsty for more. From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Home alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Directed by Chris Columbus, coming November 16th. Well, I have to apologize, Bob, <laughs> because you're gonna take his map now. Not once, okay. but twice does the voiceover man on that trailer refer to it as Home Alone. We've all been saying <laughs> Home Alone wrong all these years. Yeah, see. Um, so. A basic run. I, I've written here a basic run through the plot, and then I'm just about to do the whole film. So, you know, it's, it's in classic me style when I do these uh, episodes. But by the end, you'll be asleep. So let's, uh, let's do it. So, um, McAllister family preparing to spend Christmas in Paris. They're all gathering at Kevin's parents' house in Chicago, along with his siblings, his uncle and aunt, and their kids. So, generally speaking, while you know Kevin is a little bit of a shit himself, he's a little bit of a brat. <laughs> But it's understandable because the entirety of his family are total pricks. You know, I, I just I, his dad's all right. He's just a bit. He doesn't really have a clue what's going on. He's okay. A bit wet. And yeah. He, and his yeah. And his mum. His mum tries her best, but she doesn't exactly help matters with her decision making. And like, but then his brother Buzz is a total douche. Buzz is awesome. And like the and the ultimate like movie bully character. He's like a mini Biff Tannen. Buzz, don't you know how to knock flimwad? Can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep on the hide bed before. If you have something to drink, you'll wet the bed. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. And and then his other siblings are dicks and his uncle's an absolute prick. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, well, I don't blame him for wanting to be on his own. And, and they do that on purpose. Yeah. Obviously, that's why he wants to be on his own. Um, to be honest, it, it's, it's, probably, it's probably at the root of his violent tendencies that later emerge throughout the film. Yeah, and I feel like that trailer just kind of gave away the entire. It's like knowing the movie as well as we do. Like I feel like it, it, that was the entire plot from start to finish in one little mini trailer. But I guess that's. I mean, yeah, that's what they do if, now, if, isn't it? If the trailer didn't ruin the film's plot, you're about to. So <laughs> great. Well, um, it's actually been a talking point on social media over the past few years, uh, trying to work out, you know, the family tree of the McAllisters. And Kevin's cousins because there's so many of them and it's never really explained properly apart from like Buzz it's never really obvious and even Buzz it's not obvious that it's his brother it's never really like unless you're really paying attention it's not obvious who belongs to who um so in case you want to know um not that you know we don't have photos of these kids it's pointless but you know you can look this it is, up here's a here's a list of names <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a list of ways in which these names are related to each other look, great there'll be, some, there'll be someone out there who finds this interesting so kevin is the son of peter and kate and his siblings are buzz megan linny and jeff and then you've got uncle frank and aunt leslie and their children are tracy rod sondra brooke and fuller and then there's uncle robin uh, georgette who are in paris that's who they're going to see um, and their children, Heather, and then three other unnamed kids who are just in the background. So there you go. Sorted. Fine. But also, 
what the hell do Kevin's parents do to have a house that big? It's huge. It's humongous. It's ridiculous. Well, according to the official novelization of the film, which came out at the time, written by Todd Strasser, was a, a quick promotional tie-in, reveals that uh, Peter McAllister is a prominent businessman uh, slash day trader, and uh, Kate McAllister is a fashion designer, which explains all the mannequins that Kevin uses in the party scenes and later. So that interested me. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, you know, I do find that interesting. I don't know if that's like home alone canon, but... Yeah, I'm going to say what it. I like... What I like about that is you call it like a cheap, quick promotional tie-in. That that author there, he's it, you know he's done a good job. He's he's pay, he's paid attention to the little nuances. Going, what's with their mannequins? And he's created, and he's and he and he's created more backstory. And he yeah. uh, goes so far as to say he's given the Home Alone story more substance and more nuance than it may have originally had on the silver screen. Exactly, that's what an official tie-in novel does. You see, it's like uh, it's like all the, the, the lost encyclopedia. You need it afterwards. So um, uh, on the night before their departure, Peter and Kate's younger son, Kevin, subject to ridicule by his older siblings, and he accidentally ruins the family dinner and their flight tickets to Paris after fight with Buzz. And again, that is something that was like uh, picked out by you know fans in recent years because it's not an obvious moment when he. So he's made a big mess because he's pushed Buzz and there's uh, drinks go everywhere. And then I think it's the dad picks up a load of stuff, and in it includes Kevin's uh, tickets. You can see it in the bin. It's not an obvious shot. It's not like it zooms in on it, obviously, but it's just sort of there. And if you pause it, you can see it. So that's why when they count the tickets later, Kevin's ticket isn't there. So then they don't realise they're missing anything. So. Yeah, that, Again. Make, that, 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 that makes sense. They did His ticket <laughs> his, his ticket was lost, so they didn't realise they were missing a child. Of, co- of course. Maybe they should have. I guess that's why they, they had the uncle and aunt there as well with all their kids. So there's a lot of kids. And the reason they, they, they do a head count, and there's this little kid from down the street who was just in hanging around and that's why they do a head count and they thought that was Kevin and it was someone else but uh, maybe they should have been like cheaper by the dozen type thing and just had like ridiculous amount of children and it could have been more believable um, and as you say uh, during the night heavy wind damage to the power lines causing a power outage and resets all the alarm clocks causing the family to oversleep in the confusion and rush to the airport Kevin is accidentally left behind because he was banished up into the attic to think about what he did I, I mean maybe they wouldn't have abandoned their child if they hadn't already locked him in the attic i feel like there's maybe like <laughs> i said they, they locked maybe, him in the attic <laughs> yeah. I, I mean they made him sleep in the attic i feel like there's like you know patterns of behavior that are emerging here it's that it, like a lot a lot of the time this is played off as like a one-off you know humorous yeah. incident that they, they forgot their child i i think there was a long long history of abuse that goes <laughs> that, go, that goes way beyond this one uh. incident that we see in the movie home alone <laughs> so Kevin wakes up to find the house empty and thinking that his wish for his family to disappear came true is overjoyed with his newfound freedom I made my family disappear Kevin you're completely helpless no Kevin you're what the French call les incompetents Kevin I'm going to feed you to my tarantula Kevin you are such a disease there are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. I made my family disappear. However, he soon becomes frightened by his next-door neighbour, Old Man Marley, who was rumoured to be a serial killer who murdered his own family, as well as the, uh, <laughs> do you remember him? 
Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah just need, yeah. Need, needlessly dark, that. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. You're right. Um, this, film, this, this film does have a, a dash of danger. See? It really does. Um, as well as the uh, wet bandits, Harry and Marv, a pair of burglars who have been breaking into other vacant houses in the in the neighbourhood and have targeted the McCarthy's house. So Kate realises mid-flight that Kevin was left behind and upon arrival in Paris, the family discovers that all flights for the next two days are booked. Peter and the rest of the family stay with his brother Rob's apartment in Paris while Kate manages to get a flight back to the US but only gets as far as Scranton. Uh, this is where we have a truly brilliant uh, cameo appearance from John Candy as Gus. Uh, the lead member of a travelling polka band who helps her travel with them to Chicago. And any excuse to watch a little bit of John Candy is fine by me. Uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. My geography knowledge is shocking, but I know that <laughs> because of the office, US office. So. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't help but hearing you you got a little bit of a dilemma there. we got a crisis ourselves. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. Gus Polinski. How are you? Polka king of the Midwest. The, the Kenosha Kickers? Hi there, how are you? No? That's okay, I thought you might have recognized. Anyways, um, I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why, I, you know, just polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka, polka. No? It, Twin Lakes Polka. Damavuji Polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me Polka. Polka Twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we... Some, Fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know. <laughs> yeah, we sold about 623 copies of that. In Chicago? No, Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. They loved it, you know. I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? A anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on here. Our flight was canceled, so we gotta drive. So, uh, see the guy in the yellow jacket over there by the budget sign? He's gonna rent us a nice big uh, van, and we're gonna drive to Milwaukee. Now, I heard you had some problems. You're uh, getting to Chicago with, to see your kid or something? Uh, my son, he, we left and he, he's there. Oh, jeez. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll, we'll gladly drive you. It's on the way to Milwaukee. You'd give me a ride? Sure we will. Why not? You know, you got to get home and see your kid. A ride to Chicago? Sure, you know, it's Christmas time. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. You, you. you don't mind going with some polka bums? No, I'd love to. There's something about John Candy that just like, the very sight of John Candy <laughs> fills fills me with happiness. Yeah, he's like, just brilliant. Got, isn't he? yeah. If you're if you're in a bad mood, you just see John Candy's face. You just fill <laughs> with memory with memories of like Home Alone and Cool Runnings and planes, trains, and automobiles, and you immediately uh, just feel just feel like ah oh, yes, feel yeah. great. Yeah, died age forty three in nineteen ninety four. That long ago, like Jesus. it feels doesn't feel like that long ago. But yeah, Cool Runnings is one of my all time favorites. Maybe we'll do a Cool Runnings episode next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> really? there's a lot there's a lot of snow in it human prosa yeah. john candy <laughs> yeah also in that scene obviously we can't you, you need to go and find it um you know you know the scene if you've seen home alone you know what it's all about but there's on to the right of kate next to john candy there's a bloke who's standing there and he's got a beer and he's just sort of he doesn't say a line or anything, he's just there and loads of people like pull you down and go hang on is that elvis and he looks just like what Elvis Presley would have looked like in 1990 if he kept, kept up, if he was still alive. And it, it's uncanny. It is crazy how, like, all these exciting I mean, years of Elvis, this is my favourite. Beard, beard aside, yeah, he kind of also looks like um, Richard Karn from Home Improvement. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's either definitely Elvis back <laughs> the dead or 
Richard Carr, Tim Allen's co-star from the 90s sitcom. <laughs> so the idea, that, the idea that Elvis faked his own death and then went, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like, get a, like, a, um, like a bit part, like walking part in the background of Home Alone. Why not? Yeah, just to mess people around. They go like, well, if, if Elvis did go to all that effort to fake his death, like, <laughs> it's quite clever, really, because if he was, if you were going to fake your death, you'd think of like a really because people. The trouble is, people are always like, "Oh, he got washed away at sea and things like that." Yeah. You know, really like cool sounding ways. Elvis didn't. He pretty much like shit himself to death on the toilet, <laughs> right? And, and so I was going, "Well, no one would, no one would fake that because it's so embarrassing." And he's like, and he's exactly. like, and he's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I thought you would think." And then like. It's like, well, it can't, it can't be Elvis because, again, if he was trying to hide the fact that he was still alive, he would not appear in the background of a scene in one exactly. of the biggest films of all time. And he's like, "Yeah, you're falling for all my tricks, huh?" Like that. He's like, he's quite. That was, he's, uh, quite that was half James Stewart, half Elvis Presley. <laughs> uh, you ain't, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, you're crying all the time. It's not Christmas unless we have a James Stewart impression, is it? Christmas would have been Christmas without a James Stewart impression. Tis the season for me doing my my terrible James Stewart impression. Anyway, um, so on Christmas Eve, Kevin overhears that the Wet Bandits uh, are discussing their plans to break into his house that night. And and this is when he's also starting to miss his family. And he asked the local Santa Claus impersonator if he could bring his family back for Christmas. And that was one of my all-time favourite scenes ever. And I I did bring it up in the Ranking the Santas episode. So go back to hear that. So he goes to church and watches a choir perform. And he meets old man Marley, who um, dispels all the rumours about him. And I'd say this is truly one of the most heartwarming scenes in recent-ish cinema history. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. I can't come in here tonight. Your plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? He's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there. And it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. Basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. Bloody lovely that, and that's the first time I heard Carol of the Bells in in my life, so uh, thank you for that as well. Kevin returns home and rigs the house with booby traps to take on the burglars. Now, what's interesting about this film is, like, it doesn't, like, at any point set up the fact that he's, like, an, a, a kid genius or anything. Like, it's not no. like he's got a reason to be amazing at setting up all these traps. It just is. Um, it's like in Jurassic Park 3, 
when Jeff Goldblum's daughter comes along and earlier in the film, she kept banging on about her gymnastics stuff. And at yeah. the last minute, she does like a, a, whatever you call it, and knocks out a velociraptor. It's like, oh, right, that's why they brought that up. None of that in this, but, you know, just a genius. By the way, it, it, that's Jurassic Park 2. Jurassic Park 3... Oh, yeah, it was 2, you're right, yeah. Yeah, 3 is the one where the velociraptor says, Alan, that's how you... <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how you tell them apart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Where am I? Oh yeah, Kevin returns home, rigs the house of booby traps, take on the burglars. So Harry and Marv break in, spring the traps, suffer various injuries. It's all quite like if if they actually had what happened to them in real life, I think they wouldn't make it through the night. Is all well, I'm saying. I I I wonder, and someone must have done, worked this out. How many times he would have murdered the wet bandit <laughs> across yeah. across? I pretty much yeah I yeah I'd say it's at least like twelve times they probably would have sustained injuries that would have resulted or almost certainly resulted in death. And you you know you say there's no you know backstory as to why he's some incredible uh, torture artist, but I think <laughs> I I think he just that's he had to evolve. He yeah. has become that to survive. It sounds like he had a horrible childhood. Well, if you've got Buzz as your brother, that's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and of all of the the, uh, the traps, the worst one for me is the one where um, Marv uh, steps on the, the, yeah. the nail coming out of the floor. Like, to this day, oh. it's so well done. He just sort of goes... He just sort of slowly inserts himself onto it and then the, the, the pause before he realizes what he's done and then screams. It's very, very funny. We're not going to hurt you. No, no. Got some nice presents for you. Be a good little fella now and open the door. What? 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 What happened? That and stepping on like the broken Christmas baubles. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like, Which, which again, shades of shades of Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. With the with the broken glass in Nakatomi Plaza again. Yeah, little bit, of, yeah. little bit of danger. Little bit of walking. <laughs> little bit of walking on broken glass. It's, it's what we, it's what we love in our Christmas movies, <laughs> and and our Annie Lennox songs. Absolutely. Um, well, eventually, Kevin, with the help of Marley, takes down the wet bandits uh, and they get arrested for breaking into various homes. And on Christmas Day, Kevin is reunited with Kate. They reconcile. And then they are soon joined. It says here, soon joined, like literally seconds later, joined by his dad and the rest of the family who waited in what? Paris. And then, and then he got a direct flight to Chicago. Why don't you tell her? Like, the, the, imagine being her. You spent like days getting home. And then you finally get back, and then like ten seconds later, everyone else turns up. You're like, oh, fair. so anyway, that's the that's the main plot of the uh, film. So I, I, you know, I went through it relatively quickly for me. That wasn't too bad. For you, that, that wasn't was too painful. Um, so going through the main cast, obviously, Macaulay Culkin became an international superstar from this film for a few years. He was one of the biggest film stars around. He and had, then, a th- and, he- but then he became less famous when he became a bigger film star. <laughs> and, and, they, and they literally couldn't have very it. Very true. Very true. When he did Richie Rich, that was, didn't really do it and, for him, did it? And, and the Page Master, which was oh, when yeah. he, was, he was really like on the brink of puberty in that one. Yeah. To the extent, I think they had to have people like stand on like platforms and stuff to make yeah. him look smaller. Yeah. The, like the opposite of Tom Cruise, essentially. Um, so, you know, he had been in a few films before this, including Uncle Buck, which was also written and directed by uh, John Hughes. And obviously starring John Candy as well. Um, 
And Hughes actually suggested to Columbus that they cast Macaulay Culkin in the main role because of his experience with him in Uncle Buck. And then Columbus met with other actors for the part, by his count, hundreds and hundreds, uh, as he felt it was his directorial uh, pre-responsibility. Pres- I've written pre-responsibility. That's not responsibility. Just plain old responsibility. It's like no pre responsibility. For a second, I thought, oh, is that is that like a a movie term? Is that like a like a thing they do? Of course. I think maybe Christopher Columbus wasn't all that smart, and he just, as you tend to do sometimes, uh, just make, make up just make, make up a word. And he was like, <laughs> "I, I do, I see what you're saying about casting Colkin, but I feel like it's my responsibility here to, um, <laughs> yeah. to, to hire to hire the lead. Yeah. I really, do, I really do feel like I'm responsible for that. <laughs> responsible. Oh, very funny. <laughs> Uh, Columbus met met with Colkin and agreed he was the right choice for the for the role. Um, Maca- uh, Macaulay Colkin actually took a break from acting in as early as 1994, um, and he didn't make his return until 2003 with a guest appearance in Will and Grace. But then, even since then, he's not really done much until very recently. Uh, in 2013, he co-founded the New York-based pizza-themed comedy rock band, The Pizza Underground, of which he was the singer. Uh, yeah. Very yeah, niche. But- you think we're niche? That's the ultimate niche, isn't it, really? <laughs> but do you know what else Macaulay Culkin did? <clears throat> what? Dated Mila Kunis. So- he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I love that story <laughs> that Russell Brand told. Do you remember that? Where he was like, when he was in, um, what's it, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he obviously meets Mila Kunis on set, and then she keeps talking about her boyfriend, Mac, and he's like, who's Mac? Who's this guy? And then um, she finally introduces him. He's like, that's Macaulay Culkin. You can't just introduce <laughs> me as Mac. It's, it's Macaulay Culkin. Very funny. Um, anyway, uh, he was also, you know, he's currently the publisher and CEO of satirical pop culture website and podcast called Bunny Ears. Uh, but he also starred in a brilliant advert for Google Assistant in uh, December 2018, which reprised his role of Kevin after 28 years. And it recreated scenes from Home Alone while he asked Google Assistant to set reminders for him. So sort of like what we said earlier, how Home Alone wouldn't work now. It was like updating it, uh, and it was really, really good. It was a really genuinely great um, advert. It worked really well, and it was great to see him do it and actually acting, and he was great in it. Um, but he's actually coming back as well, because earlier this year uh, he was cast in the next series, American Horror Story. Is so. Um, was that already happened? Is that already happened? No, I, no I, it, it, it probably should have already happened, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah. like that was February. I feel like that should happen by now, but that's why. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll see the Colkin Renaissance in uh, 2021. The the Colconnaissance. Yeah, exactly. The the Maconnaissance. Uh, that, that's better. That's better. Uh, for the role of Harry, one of the uh, Wet Bandits, Robert De Niro and John Lovitz were considered for the role, but after both rejected it, they got the combination of the two, <laughs> which is very yeah, it really is like little, little bit of Lovitz, little bit of De Niro. Yeah. yeah. Put those two hands together, you get Pesci. Yeah. Um, you know, he had already, and Pesci had an amazing year because he also starred in his career defining role of Goodfellas also in 1990. So, two completely different roles, two completely different films, both in the same year. Obviously, he'd been around for a while, already well respected, but this year really cemented him as like a cinema and, great. And it, yeah, and, and if, if in one year you can be like, brilliantly funny in Home Alone and yeah. absolutely terrifying yeah. in Goodfellas. You're literally like, pe- pe- you know, we made fun of Pesci there. Pesci, Pesci got range and he's, yeah. he's like, look, <laughs> yeah. look, look yeah. at all my range, 1990. 
Daniel Stern played Marv, uh, the role he's probably best known for, but he's also say. known. He's done a lot, actually. Has I'm he? surprised. Has he? Yeah. So he's also um, he played uh, Phil in City Slickers and City Slickers 2. Uh, but also, I didn't know this, he was the voice of adult Kevin in The Wonder Years. Was he? Yeah. And he was also the voice of Dilbert. In the in the cartoon series, doing yeah. that, so you know, yeah, but you know, like, like it's it's a little it's a little more niche, yeah, but, but you know, done far more than I thought, so good. Uh, but actually, before shooting started, Stern was told that the production schedule had been extended from six weeks to eight, and after being informed that there was no money in the budget for a pay increase that he wanted due to the extended schedule, he actually dropped out of the role. And Daniel Roebuck, who is now most famous for playing Doctor Arst in Lost, if you remember him in the uh, oh, first yeah. season, he was quickly hired to replace him. But after two days of rehearsal, Chris Columbus didn't see any chemistry between him and Pesci, and decided to bring back Stern. So, um, you know, could have. So I feel like Roebuck is the Home Alone equivalent of uh, what's his name from Back to the Future. Eric, Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Roebuck later said that although he was upset to be fired from the production, he now believes the experience to be such a little blip of unimportance, which is, oh. which is like, uh, a great quote. But like something tells me that's not quite accurate. But okay, yeah, not fine. not 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 bitter at all. He's like, yeah. if I'd got that role, I could have been the voice of Dilbert. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could have starred in not just City Slickers. But also, City yeah. Slickers too. Well, little do they know that in like uh, 14 years, he would be blown up uh, with a load of dynamite and lost after being in about five episodes. And yeah, fan favourite, asked. Um, John Hurd played Peter. He's probably one of the greatest that guy actors of all time, isn't he, John Hurd? Like, he's he's just sort of pops up in loads of films of that era, like Beaches, My Fellow Americans, Big. He was also in The Sopranos for a bit. Um, sadly died of a heart attack in 2017 at the age of 71 um but he is he, he's not in the film much but in the in the scenes he's in he's really really great and then you got Catherine o'hara who still looks exactly the same as she did Ex- then exactly the uh, same like she was only 36 at the time of home alone Catherine o'hara so you know we're we're nearly her age um she had already appeared in beetlejuice again um, a couple of years before, uh, has been bu- busy ever since, and most recently winning lots of plaudits for her role in Shit's Creek, which I have to admit I've never seen, but I hear good things. Uh, <laughs> uh, great name, Roberts Blossom, uh, played uh, Marley. Not Robert Blossom, Roberts Blossom. Um, he was a great character actor and, and poet, and he also had roles in Deranged, the, the original great, well, say original, the 1974 version of The Great Gatsby, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Escape from Alcatraz, and The Last Temptation of Christ. But I'd say this is probably his most famous role. Uh, and he died and, in 2011, aged 87. Uh, and his first name was Roberts. Yes. And that's not definitely not just another of your typos. No, it's not a typo. It's his actual name. For one. Because I do feel like we have a responsibility to get these things right. <laughs> Uh, so presumptuous so <laughs> ridiculous uh, the role of Uncle Frank was originally given to um, it was actually written rather for Kelsey Grammer um, but was given to Jerry Bamman when Grammer was unavailable but I feel like Grammer would have been totally underused in that role because he's not in it much maybe if Grammer because apparently I think they were going to have more scenes set in Paris so maybe if Grammer was in it they would have had far more of, of Uncle Frank and, and um, you know Bamman is really good in it but I'd love it if it was Darcy Grammer well, I bet I bet Grandma feels stupid now. Like I bet he wishes he'd been at home alone. He bet, I bet he feels like he's got egg on his face, like scrambled egg all over his face. <laughs> uh, I've forgotten the line. How does it end? Seattle, we love you, or something like that. 
Santa, we, we love you. Seattle. <laughs> I thought you were just being festive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good night, Seattle. We love you. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Devin what, Rattray. What, 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 sorry. What, what I like about it, totally totally like off topic, but what I like about the Frasier theme song is yeah. that they were like, right, Kelsey, we're gonna do this spin off from Cheers. Okay, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about it's about your character, Frasier Crane. Mm, he's mm, like, yeah, yeah, great. I'm, 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 I'm totally on board. This sounds great, and we're going to focus more on on his family. We're going to take him to Seattle, and he's going to have a radio show, and all, you know, we're going to meet his brother and his dad. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sounds great. I do, I do have one request, which is that I get to sing the theme song, and it's like this weird <laughs> sort of scat jazz <laughs> number, and they're like, okay, I, I guess doesn't really fit with what we were going for, but, but, but I, we, we like you are Frasier. We literally need you to do this. So and he's like, great. Like, what? What? But, but you know, fine. Uh, uh, Devin Rattray played Buzz, and he does still act from time to time. He, he's just in things all the time. He was in uh, HBO's Mosaic recently, oh, uh, a few years back, written by uh, Ed Solomon, who uh, oh, yeah. we had on the podcast heard recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, if, Yes, he made a, a guest appearance on a, on a certain podcast recently. Should go back and it's our podcast. In case I'm not being <laughs> just as, yeah, full display. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was also most recently Devin Rattray. Uh, he was a minor character in the film Hustlers, which uh, got lots of great reviews. Macaulay um, Culkin's younger brother Kieran uh, played Fuller. Uh, he's his cousin who always pissed himself. Um, <laughs> uh, and Kieran is yeah, he's just been um, in work constantly really in the last. 10, 20 years, and he's been all sorts. Um, as I say, John Candy was only available for one day to film his scenes, which took 23 hours to shoot. He was paid $414 um, since he did the film as a favour to Hughes. In return, he was the only actor he was allowed to go off script. So according to Columbus, uh, all of his dialogue was improvised. So he just sort of <laughs> let him be John Candy for, for a day. He's yeah. like, how, how much are you paying me? About $400. Okay, <laughs> I, w- I will do it. <laughs> Yeah. I, will, I will. I will sort of do it in the sense that I will be there on set, yeah. but I will. I will not read any of these lines. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will turn up, but then I will just do whatever the fuck I want for the duration. <laughs> for, for the duration. Uh, so the uh, conception of Home Alone came from a personal dilemma that John Hughes had faced. Hughes said that <laughs> I was. If, if I, <laughs> dilemma. If I had a really shitty kid, would I pretend that I'd forgotten about him and leave him? <laughs> That's pretty much it. That is pretty much it. He goes, oh, okay. I was going I was going away on vacation and making a list of everything I didn't want to forget. I thought, well, I'd better not forget my kids. Then I thought, what if I left my 10-year-old son at home? What would he do? There you go. <laughs> and he thought his 10-year-old son would wreak fucking havoc. That's what yeah. he thought. Uh, Hughes then wrote eight pages of notes that developed into the screenplay of the film. And imagining that children are naturally most scared of robbers, Hughes also worked that aspect into the plot of the film. Um, what were you most scared of as a kid? <laughs> was it robbers? Um, I don't know. Was it robbers? Uh, um, I don't, I, what was I scared of as a kid? What were you scared of as a kid? I... I, I I still, to this day, have a little bit weird thing about ghosts. I had it a lot when I was a kid. Goat. I think I, I ghosts, not goats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scared of goats. No ghosts. I just, um, yeah. I remember having, I remember having this thing of like, um, <laughs> this is, I don't know why I'm telling this story. There was this, uh, 
had this thing where I'd sort of stayed downstairs, you know, a lot later than the rest of my family, just watching telly or whatever. And I was probably, I was, I'll say a kid, I was like 12 at this point. And um, uh, I'd sort of had this thing of like, when I'd go upstairs, because I was, I turned all the lights out and I was going upstairs. I always had this horrible thing. There'd be this ghost who'd like chase me up the stairs and then for some reason just smack me on the ass as, as I did it. So I'd just be like, oh, quick, get out. Otherwise the ghost. I, gonna... like, I, I, like the, I like the fact, because everyone has that fit. That's a classic, uh, thing you know, you turn the lights off and then you run up the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I added the ass bit. I don't know why. Yeah, you you yeah. didn't think that the ghost would like kill you. You thought, <laughs> no, you thought it would be. He's quite a playful like, ghost, if anything. Well, yeah. he's some kind of sex pest poltergeist. <laughs> put out there I didn't have any kind of problems of growing up or any kind of incident I don't know why I thought that but there you go yeah Yeah. (laughs) Tom and I like a carry on ghost (laughs) (laughs) with a Benny Hill theme yeah Uh. Tom and Tom and I used to be flatmates and Tom swore blind once that he you you had a Oh yeah, a, a spooky encounter. Honestly, to this day, um, we should have done this in a, as a Halloween thing. But um, to this day, uh, it, it was the, it's the only moment that is unexplained. I've since found out what it is. It is something to do with um, sleep, something, it's not deprivation, but it's there's a there's a condition where apnea, your heart, something like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's sleep paralysis, something like that. I found a whole subreddit about it and whatever. But until I knew that, I still I felt genuinely this was like a a proper incident. And I, when it happened, I was like, oh, ghosts ghosts exist because this has happened now. I've been proved it's actually existing. Brilliant. And all it and was, was that I there was a it, ghost I, breathing on your neck. Yeah, I woke up in the morning and I knew I was awake because I was looking at my alarm clock that I knew was going to go off at seven. And I was just staring at it, and there was just a a, a a man, a man's, an old man's voice to the side of me, breathing heavily, over and over and over again. And it and it how, was um, how did you how did you know it was an old man if you couldn't see it? I could just tell it was that you could just hear from the voice that it was an old man of some description, and it was so real that it wasn't like I was it, everything else was just boring, and I was just looking at the alarm clock, waiting for it to come on, terrified, not moving. And then it went to 7am, I saw it move, and then yeah. radio, I think it was Radio 2 I had on, Chris Evans or whatever came on, and then it stopped and it finally went away. And, um, then, and then he slapped you on the ass. <laughs> right on the ass, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I just, I, I, I think that was just a moment of whatever this conditions that I've forgotten is called sleep paralysis or something like that. But anyway, um, yeah. Have you ever had any ghost? I don't know why we call my ghost orbs. I've been there alone. Yeah. Have you worked out what you were scared of as a kid? Maybe, I, you weren't. Maybe you weren't scared of anything. I, I think just just the dark. I, I never I never yeah. been a big fan big fan of the dark. And I've still got a thing now where I always think there's a man in my wardrobe. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, because you know you've quite often got like like shirts hanging down, and it's like yeah. someone could quite easily be in my wardrobe. Like I guess like a robber, and and, yeah. and he could, so so it's, I do especially if I'm alone in the house. I do like home alone. Home if I'm home alone i yeah. I, I do before i go to sleep at age 34 open the wardrobe part the shirts just to make sure there's no one you know crouched in the wardrobe and then i sleep soundly nice i, I do still have a thing about showers and not really because of um psycho or anything um but i i just have this thing of i i, I don't like being under the shower with just 
because I, I, it's the one time where you're kind of your face is obviously like covered in water and you can't see what you're doing and i just have yeah. this image of just uh, once i finally come out and can see there just being something there and again yeah. it's very psycho-esque but again it didn't really affect me i only watched that relatively recently and i've always had this as a thing um and, so yeah and and you know listeners we've said that everything that's going on in the world right now is why we're recording apart and we're doing this virtually but actually it's because tom hasn't showered for years <laughs> and i didn't have the heart to tell him but now you brought it up uh, <laughs> like i can't be the same so that's that's why no one hangs out with me anymore right <laughs> anyway that was a bit of a sidebar wasn't it um so home alone was initially set to be financed and distributed by warner brothers and hughes promised the studio that he could make the movie for no more than 10 million dollars considerably less than most film uh, production budgets of that era concern that the film might exceed that amount even minimally and that warner would insist on keeping to it hughes met secretly with 20th century fox before production to see if they would be interested in funding the project if warner proved as in- inflexible as the producer feared and according to executive producer scott rosenfeld a copy of the script was secretly, clandestinely, you know, delivered to Fox, uh, bypassing all the legal restrictions that would have otherwise prevented Fox from seeing it until the project was in turnaround. Uh, and early in production, the film's budget grew to $14.7 million, well past the limit Warner had imposed, and the studio demanded that it be cut by $1.2 million, and the producers responded with a memo arguing that the budget could not be cut any further. Unconvinced, Warner shut down production the next day, but it quickly resumed when Fox took up Hughes on the earlier offer, and the final budget ended up growing all the way to $18 million. So, bit of a... Bit of luck there. So so wait, so 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 wait. So Warner were paying. Warner Brothers were paying for the movie. Yeah, but not very well. Yeah, ten million dollars. They were trying to. But then he he slipped yeah. the script to Fox. But yeah. then he went over budget. Yeah. And then Warner were like, right, we're shutting it down. Yeah. And then what happened? And he just sort of carried on with with Fox. They just went, oh, do you still want it? And they were like, yeah, go on then. I don't think you get away with that One, one yeah. studio shuts a movie down, the other one just picks it up. Well, you're not like, meant to, but I, th- I think they kind mid, of, because, yeah, they secretly mid, gave it to them. and Like mid-shoot? Yeah, yeah. I, okay, all right. It was, the, it was the, uh well, yeah, it was the 90s, so who knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris Columbus came on board after he left National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation before shooting started. Uh, he left that film because of a personality clash with actor Chevy Chase, who Columbus said treated him like dirt. Um, well, I, I yeah. find it hard, I find it hard to believe that someone couldn't get on with Chevy Chase. I mean, <laughs> we never hear any bad things about Chevy Chase, do you? No. Nah. Nah. So he, he left that project, and they all laughed at Christopher Columbus, but <laughs> he made a comeback. <laughs> Uh, Columbus at Christopher Columbus <laughs> where he said Chevy Chase was a dick uh, <laughs> Columbus did an uncredited rewrite of the re re rewrite that's a hard word to say isn't it Columbus did an uncredited rewrite of the script which included the character old man Marley so he introduced that character oh, he added the good. character to give the story a more serious layer as well as a more emotional ending so well done him um, do you think do you think he's he's always like Oh, uh, Christopher Columbus. He's like, Chris. It's my, my name's Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. C- Christopher Columbus. You want, why don't you go find America, Christopher Columbus? <laughs> he's like, it's it's Chris. Uh, Chris Columbus. It's beard for say. 
there's also uh, the film within a film, Angels with Filthy Souls, uh, the title which parodies, uh, parodies the 1938 crime film Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> Paradise. Great. Uh, to create the illusion that the film was authentic, uh, like an, a, a great 1940s gangster film, the scene was filmed on black and white negative and Johnny's office used authentic items from that era. Um, one of the most famous bits of the film, I guess. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals and all that. And I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a real film at the time. I just assumed it was as a kid. Uh, got me believing it. Well, uh, a couple of facts. You love a bit of facts, don't you? Let's, I love a bit uh, of run facts. through. Yeah, got a few. Uh, cinematographer Julio Maycat has said that Pesci was more difficult to work with than Culkin. Um, Pesci believed some of the dialogue was not of a quality that matched his <laughs> matched his acting ability. Uh, he also resented the early filming times since they prevented him from starting his day with nine holes of golf that he preferred to do. After he took the assistant director by the collar one day to complain about this, daily call times were moved back from 7 to 9 a.m. to accommodate his rounds. So I love that. This is the four good fellas as well. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? So like, you know. Yeah. But you gotta, yeah. you got you to gotta fake it till you make it. Yeah. Pesci was already yeah. acting like a major asshole movie star before <laughs> he even was one. <laughs> Gotta respect. Uh, also, uh, Joe Pesci also deliberately avoided Macaulay Culkin on set because he wanted Culkin to think he was mean. So, I mean, that's what he says. I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't know yeah, I'm, I'm not actually a dick. I just, it's, you know, it's method. I want you to think I'm a dick. Uh, the picture Kevin finds of Buzz's girlfriend was actually a picture of a boy made up to look like a girl because director Chris Columbus thought it would be too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. Uh, the boy that was used in the photo was art director Dan Webster's son. <laughs> Just in right. pigtails. So, so, yeah, I like, I like, he's like, right, okay, we can't have a photo of a girl because that would be cruel. So what yeah. we'll do is we'll dress up a boy in pigtails. And make hey, Dan, fun of what's, his, what's your son doing? We'll uh, make fun of him instead. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, John Williams stepped in when the original composer backed out and uh, the filmmakers never thought they could get him but he saw an early cut of the movie and was enchanted says here John Williams was enchanted um, and it was a huge success with a total gross of 476 million dollars which is huge uh, for, for a 1990 film um, and it held the record for the highest grossing live action comedy ever until it was overtaken by The Hangover Part 2 in 2011 um, and it was also the third highest grossing film ever at the time. I didn't realise just how big Home Alone was in 1990. Of course, what soon followed was the sequel, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, in uh, 1992. Now, I have to say, I had never seen this film until a couple of days ago. Would you what? believe? I know, which is weird, because I, I, lo I love the original, but for whatever reason, I just never got around to seeing it. I was just always a bit like, nah, can't be bothered. Just never saw Weird. it. Weirdly, I think I've seen it more, more time really? than the first one. It just always seemed to be on TV at, at Christmas, even yeah. more so than the first movie, just on all the time. And so I have, well, a, I do have, a, I have a soft spot for it. Well, that's the thing, because like seeing any film like this for the first time as an adult is always strange. Yeah. Um, you know, but having loved the original, it wasn't too bad. My main gripe is that it's exactly the same as the first film. Like every single scene, particularly at the beginning, is almost shot for shot. Like it's, it's almost. I don't know. It, it's just like everything down to the music, the um, the choreography, every even little things like they, they replaced Old Man Marley with the Pigeon Lady. It's the same yeah. thing. It's exactly the same film. Um, but you know, 
you love the first one, so it's like, well, come back for more of the same, please. I mean, it's a bit stupid that Harry and Marv just happened to have escaped and just happened to have landed in New York where Kevin just happens to be, but all right, fine. Guess who's alone in New York this Christmas? You know, a kid always wins against two idiots. You better do better than this, kid! Oh! Uh-oh. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Another Christmas in the trenches. Um, I won't I won't go into as much detail as the first, but it was also written and produced by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus. So at least it still has that that essence of the first one, because it's the same people involved. And it follows Kevin, now 10, who once again must fend off Harry and Marv after he is mistakenly separated from his family on their Christmas vacation. This time he accidentally gets on the wrong flight and the newly escaped Harry and Marv just, as I say, just happened to be in New York as well. Yeah, and, so and was, you know, one, once it, you know, is, is a mistake. Yeah. Twice is a pattern. No, no responsibility at all by these parents. <laughs> but, um, I would say they're, they're very pre-responsible. <laughs> but, you know, there are some great um, appearances. Uh, Tim Curry is fantastic as a hotel uh, concierge. Uh, Brenda Fricker plays the pigeon lady really well. Uh, Eddie Bracken is great as the toy shop owner. And a young Rub Schneider as a hotel employee working with Tim Curry. And, of course, as he did mention, a cameo from a certain Donald Trump in, in the foyer scene. Uh, back when people sort of quite liked, well, most people quite liked a bit of Donald Trump. He was just a bit of a, you know, oh, look, it's Donald Trump doing another film cameo. He was in about 50,000 of them at the time. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. It grossed over $359 million worldwide, so not as successful, but still pretty damn good. Uh, but it did receive mixed reviews. It wasn't like, uh... you know, a, a, it wasn't as well received, but, you know, it did all right. It's, it's fine. One thing I did want to mention about Home Alone 2 was the tie-in product, the uh, Talk Boy. Do you remember that? No. Um, so originally conceived, you know, remember in the film, Kevin's got that tape recorder thing? Yeah. So in the film, he sort of records things that people are saying, and then later on, he plays them back to his advantage and all this kind of stuff. Um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was created for the film by the company Tiger as like a cassette recorder and player prop for the film. But they were given permission by the movie studio to sell a retail version of the toy and it released two cassette recorders uh, modelled after the film prop in 92 and 93. Um, and I remember as a kid, I, as I say, I hadn't seen the film, but for some reason, when I was about eight or nine, you know, you get the Argos catalogues, don't you? You get all those sort yeah. of things. And I remember seeing the talk boy in these, in these uh, magazines and just thinking, oh my God, what is that? It's amazing. And I always <laughs> wanted one, never yeah. got one. You're like, I want to use this to my advantage. Yeah, 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 but I didn't even know the context. I just love the idea of a of a of a thing that you can record your own voice in and then play it back instantly and then do funny effects with it and stuff. Never got one. <laughs> and, and now finally you have podcasts. Yeah, I now you, can do it. You are living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. Um I did, however, get uh, a yak back, which was like a knockoff edition um, <laughs> by an, another company, and it was, it was pretty good. It was it was like five about four or five years later, but uh, yeah, you know, there you go. But oh yeah, oh yeah, what was it called? Talk boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All your, yeah. your friends are like, hey, yeah, I got the new talk boy for Christmas. Yeah, me too, talk boy. What, what do you got there, Eames? 
I, it's, yak I got, it's like, I got a yak back. It actually has better battery power. And <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever, Eames. Yak back. What a, what a loser. <sighs> while it was, it, you know, while the product sold okay at the time, following the release of Home Alone 2 on home video in July the next year, or maybe even the year after that, because it does take a while for these films to come out, um, and a cross-promotion with Life Serial, interest in the toys spiked in America in particular, and retailers had severely underestimated demand. And as a result, the deluxe tour boy was one of the most highly sought-after toys during the 93 Christmas shopping season, um, selling out across stores everywhere. And then, sign of the times, they released a pink version of the cassette recorder called Deluxe Talk Girl <laughs> in 1995. Couldn't get away with that anymore. No chance. Would you like to see a little uh, commercial of the talk boy at the time? Now you can be as clever as Kevin with Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder. Stop drooling on me. Stop drooling on me. It even has speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's new Talkboy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. Come on, hiya, pal. Look for Home Alone 2, available now on video. Right, I remember that advert. I was watching it. Oh my god, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That, that, he wanted that, one as well. That makes me so happy. Yeah, no, I was like, look at him getting up to japes. That looks incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So, in case you can't tell, there's like a, a, a little kid. He's getting up to scrapes. And his, <laughs> I guess his, his like, older brother or older, or older sister, they're there with their boyfriend, girlfriend. And they're, you know, kissing. And he records her saying, stop drooling yeah. on me when, when the dog is slobbering on her. And then when the boyfriend tries to kiss her, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I like I like the bit when he's like, "Hey kids, we're home early," and then it's like speed control, as if your parents would go, "Hi kids, we're <laughs> home early." It's like, do your parents sound like that? How bizarre <laughs> if they do. Uh, but yeah, Hi, always kids. One. Yeah, no, that, I I uh, love that. I love that advert. I was like, yes, I want to be that troublemaking little kid. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, so this was followed by Home Alone 3, so from 1997, mm. also written and directed by John Hughes, which I was surprised about, but, and also the last Home Alone film released to cinemas as well. It stars Alex now, D. Linz as Alex now, Pruitt. There were, there were lots of little bowl-cut kids in the 90s. <laughs> is, yeah. Is he the kid from Liar Liar, or does he just look like him? He just looks like him. So it's not Hayley Joel Osment, and it's not the kid from Liar Liar. It's this kid. And it's, and it's not Jake Lloyd. No, no, yeah. It's Hang on, is, which one's Jake Lloyd? Is Jake Lloyd the one in Liar Liar? No, Jake Lloyd is Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. What else did he I... do? He must have done something. Oh, no, Jake Lloyd was in uh, Jingle All The Way. That's what I'm thinking of. There you go. Festive. And there was a, there was another kid who was this really annoying little kid that was in Volcano. Remember that? There was this... <laughs> Really annoying bowl cut kid in that as well. Apparently, Justin Cooper is the bowl cut kid in Liar Liar. Okay, right, fine. But this is another one. Alex D. Linz um, hadn't really done much else uh, apart from this. So in this film, he plays Alex Pruitt, an eight-year-old child prodigy who defends his home from a dangerous band of criminals who work for a North Korean terrorist organization. So it's gone oh. up a notch. It's, it's, they, it's, uh, well, yeah. you know, we should like that because they've amped up the danger. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Christmas films need. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So the first two films we had, you know, a pair of a pair of thieves. They were they were looking to rob the house. We feel yeah. like we need to, you know, up our stakes slightly for the third one. Uh, 
North Korean terrorists? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck so. it. Home Alone 3 was actually pitched at the same time as Home Alone 2, and both films were meant to be produced simultaneously. However, those plans fell through. Uh, the idea for a third Home Alone movie was revived in the mid-90s. Early drafts called for Macaulay Culkin to return as a teenage Kevin. However, by 94, Culkin was no longer acting. So as a result, the idea was reworked, and it centred on brand new characters. Now, I have seen bits of this on TV over the years, and it's been on, and, oh, my Lord, it's just, it's not one of Hughes' best um and but you know it did star a very young scott johansson so there is at least that so here's a trailer for the third home alone film ten million dollars for the microchip mr beaupre we will find it their mission is deadly it has to be on a plane we are going to chicago their technology is state-of-the-art. There are 26 miners in the 14 houses we haven't checked. Their strategy is unheard of. We're going to work houses in broad daylight. It's the suburbs. Nobody's home during the day. They've got the perfect plan. That's the house. Tomorrow we hit. He's got the chicken pox. What? And he's home alone. Nobody's going to do anything about this. I'll just have to do it myself. I'll go in the front. Heads up! Ouch! John Hughes, the writer and producer of Home Alone. See ya. This Christmas, staying home will become an adventure again. Home Alone 3. Why don't you see what I do next? Written by John Hughes, directed by Raja Gosnell. Oh dear! Well, I, I said directed by John Hughes. Obviously, I was obviously lying about that. But apart from that, uh, yeah, not the best. And- you know, Macaulay Culkin, I think the reason, one of the reasons Macaulay Culkin was a big child star was because it's hard to be genuinely sort of charismatic and entertaining as a child star and not yeah. be ir- irksome and, and a, a little oik and annoying. Yeah. And like n- yeah. nothing against, what's he got, Alex D. Linz, but he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a little shit, isn't he? There's just something, <laughs> yeah. you, just, you just go, oh, I hope, I hope they get you. I hope these, <laughs> I hope these, I hope these terrorists who are apparently from North Korea, but apparent, but kind of, they're they're all they're all white and appear more to be Russian, I think, or you know, certainly yeah. European. I don't know, but like, yeah, not for me. Also, it was the nineties thing of like after a couple of films, just going instantly to like espionage and and <laughs> terrorism and stuff. Like the beginning of that trailer felt like an episode of Twenty Four. And like, do you remember the um all the Airbud films? Towards the end, it was all about foiling some sort of ter- terrorist slash um, crime m- mafia bosses and stuff. It was just ridiculous. Um, it only grossed seventy nine million worldwide and received negative reviews. Obviously, uh, although I think. Roger Ebert was high when he wrote this. He said it was fresh, very funny, and better than the first two. I mean, oh dear! Like, should we? We always hold up Ebert as like a you know, I know, a, a, but that instantly fun. ruins everything. Mm. Let's mm. let's stop. Let's stop citing Ebert. <laughs> just just stop. Just do you know? What? I give that review two thumbs down. But worst of all uh, came next, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, 
This was a 2002 made-for-TV film, um, which was first aired on ABC in November 2002. Um, the film had the audacity of bringing back <laughs> several of the main characters from the first two films, including what? Kevin, but with all of the roles played by different actors. Not one uh, actor returned, but all the same characters. But like, uh, like, but, a, like a remake or like a sequel, but all recast? A bit of both. I don't really know if it's meant to be a sequel or remake or what, but the plot revolves around Kevin trying to defend his uh, future stepmother's house from his old nemesis, Marv, and sidekick wife, Vera. So, A, they've split up his parents. I don't know which ones, because it's his stepmother, so I don't know what that's about. Um, And it's only Marv, but not Daniel Stern. I'd understand if you could only get Daniel Stern. So you were like, okay, look, we can't can't get Pesci. Yeah, but but, but they couldn't get Stern. But so, what's the point? Why, do, you think, do you think they thought they were going to get Stern and they demanded yeah. the money and they were like, oh, well, shit. Apparently, it says here, Daniel Stern declined to play Marv, believing the script to be an insult to the original motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon you're right. I reckon they were like, look, we're obviously not going to get Pesci, but Stern will do it. What else is he doing? Yeah. Fuck it. What's he doing? Dilbert? Fuck him. And then even Stern was like, no, obviously not. This is shit. <laughs> what's he doing? Dilbert? Fuck him. <laughs> It doesn't make sense, though, because in this, Kevin is meant to be nine, but he was ten in Home Alone 2, which makes it technically in the canon, takes place between the first two films, but in the the third, it makes no sense. Well, so it's Home Alone 1.5, but his parents are not together in Home Alone 2. They're still together, and this is the first time he's meeting Harry and Marv again since they got... It's total nonsense. What are you doing? It's like, like, yeah, it's set in a parallel universe where his parents broke up and he's nine now and whatever. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, here's a trailer. Oh, great. New on DVD and video, Home Alone, taking back the house. Here they come. You! Hello, Marv. Kevin's back. Kevin? Kevin! Kevin! In the biggest adventure of the year. Awesome! The house is bigger. (laughs) The gadgets are slicker. Door open. Kevin's in charge, and the bad guys haven't learned a thing. Hi, Mommy. It's like he's stalking me. Home Alone, taking back the house, today on DVD and video. Ah, dear. Marv is played by French Stewart, uh, star of Third Rock from the Sun. Um, Oh, that guy. I thought I recognised him. Yeah. 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 I mean, dreadful from start to finish. I mean, that just looks... What were they thinking? Even for a TV movie like ABC, proper network. What are you doing? Um, but would you believe it? That wasn't the last Home Alone film. Uh, Home Alone, that, oh, no I Home Alone Holiday, Holiday Heist. Uh, the film premiered in, on ABC Family in 2012. Um, it was the second Home Alone film after Home Alone Three, not to focus on the McAllister family. So at least they did do that. Uh, but there were numerous homage, homage homages. Uh, to the pre- previous films. But it also starred uh, Malcolm McDowell, who just says yes to anything now, and Ed Asner <laughs> turns up <laughs> in the film. Again? So, again, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not Christmas unless no. we talk about Ed Asner. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. A toast to Ed Asner. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Uh. ABC Spark brings you all new family fun. This is totally a world premiere movie event. New bad guys and a new hero. The only thing to be afraid of in this house is me. Home Alone, The Holiday Heights. Premieres Sunday at 8. Only on ABC Spark. I didn't know that had happened and I I wish I still didn't know. 
Well, that's not the end of the Home Alone franchise because what? in August 2019, uh, following the acquisition of 21st Century Fox by Disney, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced that a new Home Alone film is in development and would premiere on the company's streaming service, Disney+. Plus. Uh, the plot is said to centre around a boy who faces off against a married couple after he steals something of theirs. Hmm. Um, well, that, that, make, that makes it sound like he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin never stole anything. He was just, you know... I mean, he stole that toothbrush from the shop, but that was by accident. Um, in December 2019, Archie Yates, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper were cast in the film. So that sounds good. Um, good. In February 2020, it was announced that the characters or some characters from the first two films, including Kevin, Harry, Marv, and Buzz, would be making appearances in the in the film, with Macaulay Culkin reprising his role as Kevin, which is amazing. Um, by March 2020, the Walt Disney Company paused production on all their live-action films, including the Home Alone reboot, um, which had begun filming in Canada due to coronavirus. So, hopefully, maybe next Christmas, we could get a proper Home Alone film again. What what we want is one of those those you know, those sequels they do nowadays where they go, yeah. this is the proper one. Yeah, forget what, those ones. What One yeah. and two, one and two count, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, see how we, we'll see how we feel about two. Yeah, if we're yeah. feeling generous, we'll include two. One, definitely. And this yeah. is, yeah, brilliant. Bring back Colkin. Shoehorn a way of making him be in the film. Um, yeah, it'd be great. But that that is about it. So thoughts on Home Alone and its uh, franchise? Uh, love the film, hate the franchise. <laughs> um it's basically, it's basically how, how, how i'm feeling I'm, I'm i'm feeling festive but i'm not feeling too charitable um no the the the, the, the first one is an all-time christmas classic no question the second bit more divisive i have a soft spot for it you're right, it is just the sec the you know the the first film done all over again but die hard too yeah but but, but it, it also gave us the talk boy or yeah, yeah. Uh, or in your case the yak back <laughs> um, so, so, so for that, I'll be forever grateful. And let's just pretend the rest didn't happen. It's a yeah. bit, it's a bit, it's a bit like Christmas, where you're like, you know, the build-up's great, the first hour or so is great, and then it kind of, you know, devolves, and you go, oh, let's just pretend the rest didn't happen. Let's <laughs> pretend the rest didn't happen. Well, uh, for more drunken ramblings about pop culture, head to twogeekstwobeers.com, uh, where you can find all our previous episodes, including previous festive editions. So you had episode 15, the 12 Days of Geekmas, about Christmas, weird Christmas TV specials. And then you've got episode 25, Festive Fright Fest, all about Christmas horror films. Episode 36, Ranking the Scrooges. And episode 49, Ranking the Santas. And of course, episode 60, Is It a Christmas Movie? Where we take some uh, f- festive favourites, or are they? Who knows? You have to listen to find out. So you can download, stream, and subscribe there uh, or on all your favourite podcast providers. Uh, plus head to YouTube where you can listen to or pre- previous episodes in full if you prefer such a thing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, also, you should follow us on all social media platforms. That includes Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Two Geeks Cast on all of those. Uh, we're also on Patreon, where you can just give us, you know, give us a, li- a little bit of cash, uh, all of which goes directly back into into funding, uh, you know, producing this this podcast, advertising. Uh, you get all kinds of great stuff if you do it. Uh, yeah. You get you, you get um, you know, early access to to the episodes. You get to hear them before anyone else. You get to hear special little mini episodes that we only put up on Patreon. Uh, bloopers. If if you 
give enough. We'll even record you a mini episode, all of your own, just for you. Little Christmas treat for you. Um, or even a full length episode just for you. And now, again, it's, it's this time of year. We're, we're feeling charitable. We're feeling <laughs> festive. Merch. Two Geeks, Two Beers. Yeah. New, all kinds of new merch. Right, Tom? Yeah. There's an official Two Geeks t-shirt and an official Two Geeks mug. I don't know what more you could possibly ask for. But yeah. And also, um, for not much at all, you get a Two Geeks um, coaster for all your beer needs. So what, oh, what more could you possibly want? Come on. Um, you can you can get that for yourself or get it for you know a friend, a family member for, for Christmas. It's, it's the perfect Christmas gift. Exactly. So that's patreon.com slash Two Geeks Cast. And if you want to get in touch, please do, which is podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. Um, so we'll leave you with a fantastic 80s synth pop cover of Somewhere in My Memories by John Williams by Amy Waters. And I think it's already a brilliant piece of music, but this piece of music just sums up the two weeks vibe. So so uh, there we go. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And happy New Year. <laughs> something i'm not so pleased with about the making of home alone um mm. many of the shots that are focused on kevin in the beginning of the film are filmed from above his head it said uh making him seem small and helpless it says here and at the end of the film kevin is mostly shot from below making him seem taller and more confident so you know okay fine i'll let them slide but also it says here on imdb macaulay culkin's stunt double was a very short 30 year old man <laughs> that's all it says See, Tom, you've always felt like the odds are stacked against you in life. But one day, you you too could be the stunt double for an eight-year-old. <laughs> but no, no citation there. Just just a very short thirty-year-old man. What's his name? Give him a name check at the very least. Christ. Yeah, anyway. All you need to know about him is that he was very short. <laughs> Merry bloody Christmas. Uh.